Hello, and welcome to the first podcast in a new series by NCME, the National Consortium for Intelligent Medical Imaging. I'm Claire Bloomfield, and I'm the CEO of NCME. Through NCME, we bring together a range of different stakeholder groups from across the UK to pursue the opportunities for artificial intelligence to have impact in healthcare. We're working with innovative companies from the medtech industry, both startups and SMEs, through to large global multinationals. And we're also working with leading clinicians and healthcare professionals at NHS Trust across the UK, as well as charities and patient groups. Together, we're passionate about what AI could do to improve both diagnosis and treatment of a range of diseases and conditions, from stroke and diabetes to cancer and endometriosis. Our partners are currently working on a range of projects where AI and machine learning can make a difference for patients and the NHS, and you can read more about these projects on our website. Through our podcast series, we aim to bring you stories and insights from the people who are working at the forefront of AI and healthcare. And in this first episode, I chat with our Chief Medical Officer, Fergus Gleeson, and our Chief Technical Officer, Jim Davies. We talk about the complexities of introducing AI and machine learning into medical imaging and how to manage the rich, innovative data it will bring to clinical practice. We also discuss how AI plays a role alongside human experience and expertise and where AI can help us, but it's not the silver bullet. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Do subscribe to Catch Up Pub with our next episodes and keep in touch with NCME using the links in the show notes. So we've all been working in an environment where there's a lot of hype around the potential value of AI in healthcare. And Ferg and Jim, you've both been in this space for quite some time now. So what do you think the challenges are around us actually trying to deliver AI into healthcare? The, the problem, I think, is partly the expectation. The public, and I think those that are running the NHS, think it's going to solve everything. And then actually, it's they have no real understanding of the complexities, both groups, of delivering AI. And, and particularly because they think that everybody thinks, well, they're images. So as humans interpret images, actually we can just get computers to do it. And it doesn't take into account the fact that you need outcome data, you need historical images, you actually need to be able to look at more than the area that you're particularly focusing on. So it's a way more complex problem than people imagine. And then on top of that, you need thousands of images and you need them from multiple trusts with different scanners, all scanned differently, with different levels of expertise, and that makes the problem huge. And then there's the issue of data store and data transfer. And, I mean, Jim's dealing with most of that with us, with GE and their VNA. And I'll, I'll let Jim comment on how complex that is. The issue here is that it's not, whose job is it to provide the data from these different settings in a way that's, you've got enough information about the, the differences in practice, the differences in equipment, to, to make it comparable when you do the algorithm development and validation, to know whether you're comparing like with like. It's not the job of the, the care professionals delivering, yeah. delivering treatment to patients. They, they're getting on with that. It's another job, isn't it's it? It's not the job of their managers. It's not what electronic patient record systems were designed for. That's they're designed for continuity of care, getting the notes, getting the information to your fellow health professionals, providing some degree of accountability and reporting, but not this rich, and, and it's not just rich data that you need and the contextual data that, that sits around the image in a comparable fashion. It, it's actually, 
it's not just rich, it's changing. Yeah. Because you're introducing some new innovation and you'll want something that either you didn't record systematically before or that you recorded but you didn't consider all of the information you needed about that piece of data. You, you need that to quality and you need it transferred to the people who are doing the research and development. You know, if you're trying to introduce any new technology, you need to find out how, how's it going? Do I need to refine it further? And, and from the point of view of the patient and the government and the funders, you've got different people who've got different algorithms that they want to use. How do you compare these? Whose job is it to provide that platform for comparison? Whose job is it to provide the data? Whose job is it to provide the evidence? Do you think that's one of the challenges that there is, and this comes back to the hype though, that groups of people think that that's already there, that high quality, interoperable, comparable data across the NHS or outside the UK is something that we already have as a rich resource that people can just work with. Yeah, and people don't understand that medicine is an uncertain science and doctors and other healthcare professions work on 80%, 90% likelihood of that being the diagnosis. But you can't put into an algorithm and say, well, we didn't quite know what the answer was, so do better than us. It needs to know the truth. And if you look at the healthcare professionals, if you look at pathology or you look at radiology and you look at the agreement between them, it's relatively poor. It's great for really big, easy things, such as a truck coming down the road. But actually, a truck a long distance down the road, people aren't sure whether it's a truck, they're not sure what direction it's coming in. And that's absolutely true of pathology and imaging. People go, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Let's follow it up in a year. Or does it matter to the patient? Because the patient's 85. So we then have to exclude all of those. So it's an incredibly complicated area. One, to understand, and two, to get enough ground truth and information stored and validated. Yeah, it's, it's about being good enough. And it's funny, I mean, if you think about trucks, I mean, you're rolling along in a Tesla on autopilot. Is it going to spot that that's a truck yeah. turning right in front of you? I, this, Of course, you can get there. There are areas in which it absolutely will work. But we need the evidence, we need the data, we need the, the, the images at scale to, to refine and, and to validate and to monitor these, these new interventions into our healthcare delivery. And that's where the legal bits and the contractual bits also come in, as in who owns the data, who pays for the data. Do the companies pay for it? Do the hospitals earn money from it? Do they inform the patients that their data is being sold? So there's, there's a real public bit that needs to be got right for the UK public and for the NHS. We obviously all think there's something valuable to be doing in this space, otherwise the three of us wouldn't be having this conversation <laughs> together. If we didn't think NCME was part of the solution, we'd have all packed up shop and be doing something else. So oh, then... that's spoilers, that's yeah. spoilers. <laughs> no, no, but it's, clearly, it's clearly not easy, otherwise, being frank, a couple of big IT companies would have solved the problem. So what we had is we work in this area, we understand how difficult it is, and actually we're able to work with the other NCME hospitals and the other vendors that we've got in NCME to actually start to do this properly. Do you think that though sometimes with being more realistic and pragmatic, and again, you've both raised challenges, problems, it's not as easy as it sounds, or it's, it's gonna be a longer journey, that we sound maybe not like we're rushing to the party right now. We're being slow and thoughtful about this approach rather than going, <laughs> yep, we can fix everything. You kind of both said that AI is not going to be the answer to all of it. 
And yet. Yet. Okay. But then, so it's an answer to some of the problems. But also we're picking it off, aren't we? The, the brainomics stuff, the Caristos stuff. And then there's the stuff behind the scenes. There's the stuff we're doing with GE for PET-CT and Critical Care Suite, which the PET-CT stuff isn't glamorous, but actually that is going to be doable. So we're going to be able to develop algorithms that are actually going to reduce dose, reduce scan time. No one will ever see it, but actually that sort of thing is important. There's patient scheduling, which we're not involved in, and you can do AI on that. So I think so long as we are both realistic and able to persuade everybody else to be realistic, I think actually it is doable. That's part of the conversation then, isn't it? Is not saying AI is the answer to everything and talking to Whitehall, to government, to funders, to the NHS and saying it won't be replacing radiologists like you, Fergus, or the next... I hope it does, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> but there, there is, that's, again, I suppose it's that balance of AI is useful, but it's not the solution to everything, and therefore applying it in the right settings to tackle the right kinds of problems rather than it being a panacea for everything. Well, the real challenge here is it's engineering. You, you, we have the fundamental invention, we have the fundamental mathematics and the techno technology. What we're doing is developing solutions to, to, to address, produce products, address particular problems in healthcare delivery. And, and it's, it's nice pronouncing say, well, this will be beneficial, this will be great, or we can do this. But you've got to get into the detail. What do we mean by useful? How are we applying it? And, and you can't just do it at the arm wavy, PowerPointy level. No. And you've got to get use into it? the detail. You know, yeah. who, so we've just done a reader study, and I can't tell you the results, but actually how people use AI depends upon their experience. So how are we going to define who uses yeah. this stuff? It's, it's like cars. No, I couldn't get in a Formula One car and drive it, but it doesn't mean it's a useless car. So we have to work out what level of expertise. Who's going to override an AI decision? Genuinely, is it going to be a radiographer? Is it going to be a health you know, healthcare assistant? Who is? Is it? Does it have to be a consultant who overrides it? I mean, it's a really interesting area. We will get there. But there's, a, there's an awful lot to do. And you can't go off half-cocked. You can't say, well, this drug almost works, we'll use it. And if, if you look, that's exactly what's happened with self-driving cars, that they all thought that they'd be in place between 2015 and 2019. And now almost nobody is saying that actually we're just going to move to self-driving cars. We're going to move slowly. There'll be assisted self-driving. And it'll be 90% driver, 10% assisted and it'll slowly move on. And that's, I think, what will happen to AI. So you think that'll be the approach that we go slow and steady? Well, I don't want an AI algorithm that's half developed, used by someone not trained in it, who should override it, and actually hasn't been, that doesn't have the experience, the knowledge, or has been trained to override it. But I also don't want someone to override it when it's correct. So, you know, this is quite a difficult area. So who, do, who are the people that need to be at the table for that kind of conversation then? Well, in terms of understanding, it's, it's government needs to, and the public need to be in terms of understanding. Yeah. And then the healthcare professions across the board need to embrace this and understand that actually they need to be trained and involved. So is part of the solution yeah. this to then have partnerships like NCME, where, you've, as you said, you've got yeah. healthcare professionals, yeah. Innovate and Oxford Office for Life Sciences have been involved as the funder. We've got commercial entities, you've got academics trying to get multiple different people to the table about saying we've been through this before we've made these mistakes don't you make these mistakes as well yeah and how would you actually go from i've got a really good idea and i've got a load of data into here's something i'd actually feel comfortable putting into the nhs for people to use yeah i mean 
so we got in see me right then, didn't we? <laughs> the ambition's right, at yeah. least. Yeah. But you, you've got the, the huge challenge here, and it's a challenge for government. It's a challenge for the funders, because none of... comes back to what I was saying earlier about whose job is it. This is about building an ecosystem, a new ecosystem, and we can't wait... You know, ecosystems take thousands of years to evolve. We can't just wait for this to suddenly appear. We're introducing something that's fundamentally new in terms of technology assisting humans in processing information and giving them answers that they don't have the time to go and inspect the reasoning that led to it. Mm. So this is, it's not a magic box, but it's something that says, well, on the basis of these patterns, here's what I think you should do, says the nice friendly algorithm. Understanding you know, how that information that you've been given should be assessed and used, it's very complicated. And how do we get to the point where, where that you, you've actually got this technology in place? How do we get the data to the people to, to properly refine and develop these technologies? I mean, you know, Fergus mentioned selling it to them. Well, actually, for the first point, we don't really want to take data and sell it, even give it to people. We want to make data and indeed the, the whole clinical environment because this is a systems thing. You've got to mm. consider all of the different factors. Make that clinical environment available for the further development and that the proof and the testing of algorithms, but in a way that's safe, safe for patients, safe in terms of the information going to third parties, what's happening to it. You want to keep it under control, but you also want a degree of transparency and accountability and ground truth not just for the development of an individual algorithm, but for the comparison of algorithms and for decisions made by regulators. Where does the evidence come from? Got to have that evidence provided. And you know, you can't rely on one small startup or one small academic group to do all of that work for you. Because the work that they're doing about this great thing about building this new ecosystem doesn't just benefit them, it benefits everybody. And that, that's great, but if you're a small company, how do, how do you do it for everybody? You don't have the funding. If you're an academic group, how do you do it for everybody? You don't have the funding. So this is a challenge to the funders, it's a challenge to government, and you know, it's being addressed. Thank, thank goodness, actually, to some extent, by, by the funding of the, these initiatives by Innovate UK, where they're, they're actually thinking strategically about funding consortia that are working together to provide the infrastructure that will provide the data that supports the development, sure, but also the introduction of these technologies in a safe way. And we're living and breathing the difficulties related to the NHS, aren't we? So the, the difficulties related to overworked, overpressed groups helping us get data, trial the algorithms. And I think that's where NCMI's next focus has, has got to be, is we're putting the money and resource into the NHS and actually we need to help them use it. So given all the problems that we've just outlined, as the CEO of NCMI, how do you think it fits and how do you think it's going to help solve them? Well, so you two are the experts, and I'm the one that's been the cat herder in a lot of this, but my view coming into this world has been nobody's got all the answers, and the only way we'll get to some of the answers is things like NCME, which is multi-stakeholder, multi-sector conversations, so that commercial entities like GE or SMEs can give their input into the clinical teams as to what they think will work, what they can build, what they can deploy, but you can get the clinical gotchas going, yeah, but we'll never actually be able to deliver this. And Jim, again, it's just this uh, Jim bringing in these aspects, which I think for a lot of the clinical teams don't think about how you access the data, what's the formats or the complexity and variety of systems you need to be working with, that data isn't 
a file per, mm. per patient that's all beautifully curated into a folder that doesn't exist in 20 or 30 different IT systems. So it's pulling those groups together, I think, and then still coming back to what do the patients need? How yeah. will you actually get this to be something that we keep talking about bringing patients with us because it's got to be for them and with them. So I'd hope that what we're trying to do is bring the parties to the table to create solutions together. And what, and what do you think, well, I guess this really feeds in, what, what do you think, how do you think G are going to help us in terms of data transfer and data storage? Because actually that's a, a, that's a massive issue because the trusts aren't all joined up. So how we, how's that actually going to work? Well, the, the G piece is easy to talk about because if you, I, I said something about we're trying to translate research and innovation into a clinical environment. You have to get data out of a clinical environment. Data is, for the most part, well-managed, well-controlled in a clinical environment. You don't get to look at it unless you're supposed to. It's looked after. One of the challenges we face actually is reassuring those who are looking after it that it's okay to give it to us. What you need is the right sort of industrial scale infrastructure to pull this data from a range of systems, some of which are quite, as we say in IT, legacy. Some yeah. quite old, yeah. slightly creaky databases. Uh, some nice new shiny databases, but all with different capabilities, all coming out in different versions. GE are already working with these platforms. They, 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 it's part of their business to maintain a product line based around vendor neutrality. They're pulling the data from all of these different databases in actual hospitals. This is not something that it would be, you know, even if we had the research funding to spend it on going and grabbing, you know, building adapters, building APIs, you know, setting up protocols, building de-identification tools for all of these different packages. That's not a very good use of, of research funding or public money. If there is a commercial solution that can be put at our disposal to get the data without messing with the data, it doesn't, it doesn't, and what's more, this commercial solution, it's clinically proven. It's, it's not in a, in a sort of yeah. toothpaste or medicine sense. It's proven, <laughs> it's safe, it's validated for use in a clinical environment. But isn't this one of the advantages, again, the, the way we've come together? I don't think we could have brought 15 hospitals together to try and share data across the range of projects we're talking about without something like that underpinning it all. Yeah, well, but you could do it yeah. locally or you can figure out a way to do it between a few collaborating hospitals that are already in this game and keen to be involved. But you try and do this across the whole of the UK. You need something that can allow that scale up and support and interplay between the different hospitals to really actually work. Because as, again, thinking of the SMEs, you're great if you know who to talk to in those hospitals, but if you haven't got those connections already, yeah. How, yeah. how do you actually get to collaborating? And, and so G are providing that piece of infrastructure, but also they're providing the expertise around it. Um, it, it you know, again, it's not our job to develop that piece, but we can be effective users of it. Uh, but part of that effectiveness comes from having access to the expertise from the people who built it, the people who understand the challenges, the people who've got these relationships, knowledge and experience. This comes back to your team piece bringing together the people who've got different skills, different experiences, who can say, well, I don't know, I, I can't really tell you about whether or not PET-CT is, 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 is applicable for this disease area, whether it's something exciting. I can't tell you anything about that. But, but I can tell you about data management, provenance, and, and, and our colleague Kerry can tell you about governance. And you bring all these people together who've got these different 
experiences, different skill sets, and actually get them to work collaboratively, delivering the infrastructure that we need to support the introduction of AI. That's the beauty of this whole thing. So and I think that's going to, that's where my ambition is that I hope we take NCME is that we've built this collaborative infrastructure that's useful. And one would yeah. hope that we can bring more people in. So it's not a closed shop. It's not, we're doing this for three years and then we're done. They should mm. scale and build and be a resource that new SMEs or other parties can come and say, I've got a new use case, or I'm interested in this kind of data, or have you got something that I, somebody I can talk mm. to about, I'm thinking about this in this space. So you, neither of you are going to get to go anywhere in three years. We'll still be. <laughs> <laughs> and I think what's actually, being frank, what's really neat, though, is that we're doing stuff that's both clinically relevant and academically interesting. And actually with GE, we're doing stuff at both ends of the scale. We're doing the mm. simple chest X-ray through to the largest data files with PET-CT you can possibly imagine. And the chest X-ray one is going to be visible to everybody because it's going to show how you can diagnose pneumothoraces and other things quite straightforwardly. And the PET-CT stuff will be completely invisible to everybody but improve care as well. So <laughs> well, it's quite, it's, it's, it's quite a neat thing that's, that I think that we've, we've embarked upon. And that sort of, and it's, again, you talk about the, the relationship with GE. I think we've been quite fortunate that in conversations we've seen with bringing GE and some of the SMEs together, we're pursuing a project that I don't think has been in anybody's forefront of their minds around AI and medical imaging, which has been endometriosis. Yeah. So I don't think we'd have all had that conversation around other mm. ways to bring together expertise, sat in, perspective with GE and pull that together around a huge clinically unmet need that needed academic, clinical and commercial input to really say, we should try and give this a shot. And as you say, that, that pipeline of saying really early academic R&D and going, there's a clinical unmet need and a problem. Can we find a useful solution to it? And having people say, yeah, let's give this a crack. We've got some smart people. We've got some infrastructure. We're not going anywhere in the next couple yep. of years. Let's try and give this a shot. A huge thank you to Fergus and Jim for talking with me about NCME, our ecosystem, and how we think we can tackle some of the challenges in healthcare AI. As you can tell, they're both hugely knowledgeable and an inspiration to work with. I'd also like to take this opportunity to thank our funders, Innovate UK, as well as our partners, GE Healthcare, for helping us to record this podcast. If you'd like to keep in touch with NCME, check our new website linked in the show notes. And we'll be back again soon with another edition of Vencini Voices.